So we're somewhere between the town of Pinos and San Luis Potosi. We stop for a rip, quick piss, and I'm standing here and I get hit by an all-time case of the feel-goods. And I'm talking all-time. I'm talking blasting down the highway, giddy smile, maniacal laughter because this is it. This is it. We are doing it. We are, we are crushing. We are, like, it's just this... I don't know. It's the feel goods. It's everything conspiring at one single moment to know exactly what you're doing is exactly what you should be doing at this exact time. And that is what I got hit with. And damn, does it feel good. And I'm stoked and I'm loving it. And I just had to get that off my freaking chest, man, because I feel great. <laughs> we are totally living our lives. <laughs> Woo! All right. Well, uh, back to it then. Arturo Marán. Arturo, ¿de dónde? Estamos aquí de Saicedo. Welcome, you are listening to The Spoken Tour. Bienvenidos, están escuchando The Spoken Tour. It is Friday, September 1st. Okay, Ty, hold up. Wait, hold your thing oh. there. I got, a, I got a bone to pick. Okay, folks, Tom's uh, getting confrontational. Let's hear it, what he's got. Okay, so this is a little flashback to Baja, California, sir. It's a hot, steamy day. We're cruising downhill, and we're stopping at a little snack break. And who do we see? Two other badass Mexican bicycle tourists who are going north. We stop. We're trying to converse with them in Spanish. Then what do we see? A car pulls up. A car pulls up. Guy and his wife get out. The guy is then video recording us with his phone. And all of a sudden, things turn pretty sexist. Uh, he is asking each of us one individually questions as he's recording them. Asks me a question. Phone in our face. Yeah. Me a question. Ty a question. Um, this Mexican man a question. And then he gets to this Mexican woman and like unintentionally totally or intentionally like totally humiliates her. He's like, oh, well, how are you doing this as a woman? This must be so hard for you because these guys are men and they're strong and they can do this stuff. But but you're a woman and a girl. How are you carrying this weight? And this girl's looking at him like, mofo, you do not come up into my bicycle and start talking to me like this, boy. I'd like to see you get on this and haul all this weight. And she's like, dude, I'm just doing this because it's fun. I enjoy riding bikes. I enjoy traveling. So my bone to pick is with this dude. Don't be calling out ladies for not being strong, okay? Some of our friends were the original inspiration for this trip, and they are women. They are strong, badass, kick-ass climbers, bikers, hikers, whatever. So that's my bone to pick. I'm off my soapbox. Back to your regular scheduled podcast. We are in Mexico City. It's been about almost three weeks since our last episode. In that time, we've covered over 650 miles. And we have visited Durango, was where we published our last episode, then Zacatecas, 
then San Luis Potosí, then Guanajuato, then San Miguel de Allende, Querétaro, and finally, the largest city in Latin America, La Ciudad de México. But in, in Latin America or all of the Americas? I believe all of the Americas. Oh. That's up there in all-time global biggest cities. I think it is. But it hasn't really been that smooth, has it? No, 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 no. There's been that, a few bus rides, yeah, a few a mechanicals. A few hitchhikes, a few begs and pleads with bike mechanics and just random Mexican people to please God help us. Um, yeah, let's see. Where did the issues start? Um, the first day we left Durango? Um, the second. Second. Um, my, my, yes, oh, surprise, my bike, <laughs> something's wrong again. Um, my bearings started to implode on my front wheel, and it sounded like there was some sort of, like, demon child, um, in a room, trying to escape, like, a room that was all chalkboards, and they were scratching the walls of this room trying to escape. Um, that's kind of what it sounded like, so very pleasant. Um, so, bearing problems led to a bus ride to Zacatecas, where we were able to get them fixed. Luckily, uh, when we were getting them fixed at the bike shop, the dudes were super cool and inevitably asked where I was from, told them Denver, and I was in a pretty, uh, just, like, frustrated, want-this-to-be-fixed mood, and then they asked me what I thought about uh, our current President Trump, and so that was a pretty uh, pretty great outlet for me to let out some frustration uh, as I stood in my on my soapbox in the back room of their bike shop uh, denouncing our uh, the President of, of, of the United States. So that was great. That was a little silver lining. And then, let's see, um, we biked for a couple days, which was cool, and then one of my spokes snapped. Um... On our ways to San Luis Potosí, but... On the day of the eclipse. On the day of the eclipse. Supernatural power. Yeah, I still, yeah, I'm blaming that 100% on the eclipse. Um, and, at, I mean, honestly, that was probably the smoothest mechanical failure we've had because Ty was riding behind me. We both heard it. Mm-hmm. I said, Ty, how's my back wheel looking? He said, bad. We pull over. I take my bags off. I say, all right, I'll see you at the hostel. I'm going to hitchhike. Ty says, great. And we both go on our way, and I hitchhiked. This awesome truck driver um, gave me a lift, and uh, yeah, if like you, if that situation would have happened like two, three months ago, or like our first few days in Mexico, we would have absolutely freaked out. Mm-hmm. But at, it was just pretty funny, like the, how smooth that uh, problem went. Which I think that says something about our progression. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, enough with enough with the problems. We got new bike parts coming. Should be arriving any moment. Um, and our bikes are just gonna be freaking flawless after that. They're gonna be so smooth, so clean. One issue that is not bike related that we've kind of come up against in the last few weeks has been this very unsettling realization that. We might not make it before winter sets in down in the far south latitudes of Patagonia. Yeah, a couple of geography majors, um, very poor planning on our part. Uh, Or not even planning, just thinking. (laughs) Yeah. 
We thought it was a good plan, and on paper it was. It's just that when you put a trip like this into practice, it's never going to go the way no. that it, you think it will on yeah. paper. Paper's pretty much crumpled up and burned at this point. Yep. <laughs> so we came to that realization. We kind of freaked out. It, it bothered both of us a little bit. We started thinking, like, all right, we're going to have to beeline it in this section. We might have to take a bus in this section. We're going to have to cover, you know, like... 80 to 100 miles a day if we want to make this happen and so both of us were in this really uh, nervous headspace that our entire goal was shot you know still like eight or nine months out that our goal was already shot and we took a step back took a couple of deep breaths and ultimately came to the conclusion that wherever we get to when winter sets in or when it becomes cold enough that we don't want to ride anymore, that's where we get to. And it's still going to be a great trip, regardless of wherever that place is. Yeah, I think it was, we got into this, this rotten headspace of, we both had our phones out and we're calculating miles, and we get to this conclusion that, okay, well, we have, you know, 13,000 miles to go, and if we want to make it by this date to this place... Um, we're going to have to do this. And, like, it just both totally bummed us out. And um, then, yeah, we just realized that we were letting we were letting a destination, like a planned, hopeful destination, define the entire trip. And that should never, ever be the case, like, unless it's a trip to the hospital. Um, it should never be the case because we have so 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 much to explore and ride through and so many places to go and people to meet and recommendations to follow that uh, it's not worth beelining it for the sake of saying we made it um, because we're going to make it we're going to make it somewhere and it's going to be rad and it doesn't matter where the heck that is and I guess to make us feel a little better we have a couple of our friends uh, Bergen and Rachel right now who are exploring the far re reaches of southern Patagonia and they've been to some of the places that we're going and right now it is like just dead winter in the southern reaches of Patagonia and they're posting pictures from these places that we that we want to go and we're like okay well they're there like maybe yeah. we can probably bike there so that's been also a little uh, and they said it's I believe the quote was not that bad no no yeah like so that's encouraging some snow yeah <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it, it was just kind of the way the universe conspires, um, of course, on that day where we have that conversation and we're put into this weird, wobbly headspace, uh, we stayed with this awesome guy, Ivan, um, we got to his house, so actually, I met him before we got to his house, um, I went to a bike shop. I was looking to get one of my, my wheels uh, trued, and I get to this bike shop, and this guy at the counter, after you know, I tell him what I need done, he's like, oh, you're from Denver, right? I'm like, wait, what? Like, how, how would you know that? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Ivan. You're staying at my house tonight. I was like, oh, damn, no way. So, uh, yeah, anyway, we get to Ivan's house, and uh, from the moment we walk in, I mean, he's just like totally selfless we felt right at home felt mm -hmm. like we had known him felt like he was just like a buddy and uh we're hanging out having a blast and it was so funny because he he was really curious about like okay well how long are you gonna take when are you gonna get there 
Um, and we're like, dude, we don't know. We like literally, and then they got to the point finally where we're like, okay, dude, like today we were literally just talking about this. We don't have an answer. Like we're in this weird headspace. Like, ah. And then he just started just laying down like these universal truths and this knowledge that we're like, shit, yes. Like, yeah. thank you so much for however the universe just conspired to align us right now in this city in the middle of Mexico um, because he yeah I mean he just helped us work through without him knowing without him having a clue of just how deep um, this kind of cancerous headspace had had gone he just helped us work through all of it and it was funny because Ty and I were very aware of it uh, as we're having these conversations but Ivan has no clue that we yeah. had just spent the last day and a half he's probably thinking like god these guys that I'm hosting are a couple of bummers. Yeah. <laughs> just like walking around, dragging their feet, you know, keeping their heads to the floor. What is their problem? But eventually, you're right. Just talking to him was like late, uh, lifting this huge weight off our shoulders because uh, he had tried a similar trip and got turned around because he contracted dengue, which is, you know, a really. hell of a lot worse than anything <laughs> yeah. that we've encountered so far. And he was still just so positive about everything, and he just kept saying that, like, for him, you know, riding his bike is the biggest joy of his life. And that we immediately agreed with. Yeah. And since having that conversation with him, uh, we've come to focus in on that part a lot. Um, We've begun to feel a lot more at home while on the bike and while we're moving and making progress and seeing these places. And it just so happens that our good friend Mike Schutte, one of the all-time top contributors to the show, uh, came in with a very profound, very relevant question to where we're at right now. Here it is. What's up, fellas? Mike Schutte on the horn here. Uh, Just what is it like to be, uh, in a sense, so restless in 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 a, in a sense like you're not you're never resting really you're never staying in one place uh and a lot of there's a lot of parallels of like you know the pilgrimage or the journey type thing uh that overlaps with uh like a certain sense of st- like finding peace and stillness or whatever um so what is that balance like between moving you know up to 100 miles a day uh just like totally working your body um, but also kind of searching for something a little more uh, stable or fulfilling and like pure, which to me I always think of in the term in terms of stillness and like peace and content. Uh, so yeah, what's that what's that balance of crazy movements, uh, the balance between movement and stillness? What's that like for you guys? Movement versus stillness. Mike, I really do not think you know how well-timed that question was because it is something that has definitely risen to the surface of uh, the dynamic between Ty and I in the last few weeks as we've been finding ourselves not moving as far and fast as we're used to. We're spending a lot more time in cities, which is awesome because some of these colonial cities in Mexico are, it's like you're walking around like Hogwarts. It's, It's awesome. But it also has created this dynamic in the trip that we're definitely not used to because this trip is defined by movement and Ty and I have hence sculpted our minds, bodies, spirits, whatever around moving and finding comfort in movement and 
as we've been more stagnant and more still in places that are busy and chaotic and noisy and crowded, whatever, it has created kind of a, I don't know, a, a, a rough patch between Ty and I's dynamic, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, to put it plainly, the the contrast between movement and stillness for us has become a paradox because, like Tom said, um, the way the trip was the, designed and I think the way that our personalities are, uh, we feel that stillness, that mental stillness and emotional stillness and spiritual stillness, we feel that fulfillment and contentment when we're moving. And since we haven't been moving as much, we've lost that contentment and we're now feeling nervous and uncertain when we're standing still. Um, and it's also, I think, a contributing factor to that has been our environment and the activity of our environment. When we were moving a lot, uh, specifically when we were moving and then camping, we had that fulfillment uh, of making progress and being on the bikes and moving. And then we had our downtime at camp. And so that was just all around uh, the kind of dynamic that fit what we were doing. It just made sense to us. Um, and now we've gotten less time moving, more time standing still. And when we are standing still, we're surrounded by all this craziness. So it's definitely made uh, for a tough situation. But we're learning to adapt. One of the best parts about being still and spending time in these places is that we have really, really done a great job at uh, fitting in and just playing the local card like nobody's business. Sometimes people will even ask us for directions. It's like being put up on a stage in the spotlight and the entire audience is representative of the population of that area and they throw you a question and you've got two choices. You either knock it out of the park or you throw your hands up with a swing and a miss and you say, uh, no, no say. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're still waiting for a big break, you might say. Uh, but it makes us feel good uh, while we stick out like such sore thumbs mm -hmm. because we still are arriving to cities in spandex and bright yellow shirts and still having people stare at us in ways that we have never been stared at. Mouths agape. Yeah. And just, like, complete paralysis. People will stop what they're doing, turn a full 180 degrees of their head, and continue to stare at you and yeah. stare at us. It's like, it's, like, um, it's like a lot. I'd say the most common look we get is amazement mixed with absolute, like, horror and disgust. Yeah. Yeah, the disgust, I would say, is the most common factor. Yeah. Despite the horn disgust, we have figured out some local secrets. So that leads us to our first ever segment of Speaking Spanish Spoken Secrets. Wait, did spoke spoken Spanish speaking? Spoken speaking Spanish secrets. Spanish spoken speaking spoken. Spo yeah. Okay, yeah. Here it is. When we are making our transactions, which is a lot, you know, we're always picking up things, getting food, this and that. Um, we have stumbled across a much more efficient way of performing these transactions instead of kind of stupidly asking, well, how much does this cost? And what about this? How much does this cost? And then just holding up your wallet as if to indicate, okay, I'm ready to do this now. 
Um, a simple alternative is cobrarse. And you use that uh, when you're ready to pay, a simple me cobra, or if it's the two of us, nos cobran. Um, and I think that's gotten us some street cred. Yeah, that's gotten us some definite, definite cred. So if you're looking... If you're going to Mexico, I don't know if this works in other countries that speak Spanish. But hell, <laughs> if you are in Mexico and you're looking to fit in, one, don't wear spandex and bright yellow shirt. But two, when you're paying for those tacos and you're ready to pay, say me cobra. Me cobra. Like cobra. Me cobra. Me cobra? Also, this information is totally unfact-checked. We don't have uh, a position yet here at the Spoken Tour for somebody to review everything that we say and make sure it's correct. We're not teachers. <laughs> We're not smart. No, we don't think well. So if this is incorrect, please let us know, and we'll be happy to uh, make an amendment to this episode. And on the flip side of just being so local and so knowledgeable about local customs and culture... Every once in a while, we just get a huge kick out of being total gringos. And we've had to tell ourselves that that is, like, totally okay. And it's one of the, actually the most fun parts about going through these places. Because it's easy to set your mind to always attempting to fit in. Because everybody wants to fit in. <laughs> I think one of my favorite recent examples was... We were biking, we were trying to find where we were staying in Mexico City, and uh, <laughs> it was raining, and we're going downhill, and there's no stop signs here in Mexico City, and um, Ty was trying to take a left turn and kind of cut this car off a little bit, and <laughs> just like, without even thinking, just threw his hand up and said, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Just like he was downtown Denver, you know, saying sorry to someone in English. But it was just such a familiar setting, yeah. you know, the uh, shameless apology for totally cutting somebody off. Uh, I didn't have time to translate oh, in the moment. Yeah. yeah. But along with that, like we were saying that sometimes when. A local custom is just like totally bizarre or if something you taste is super disgusting like that's okay for you not to enjoy those things that's part of the fun of doing all this is like finding new things that you love and also being able to laugh at new things that you don't love yeah I'm not going to eat cow stomach <laughs> I do not like that shit it is gross well that pretty much wraps it up another installment of the tour totally self-supported no help from anybody. Us just doing our thing and being so good at it. Dude, I think you're forgetting about the countless people that went out of their way to kindly help us during the last three oh. weeks of our trip when things went wrong all the time. Yeah, I guess that was kind of living in the fantasy land so, yeah, for a maybe, sec. Maybe we should... Yeah, okay, we'll do Kindness to Strangers again. Okay, cool, perfect. Yeah. All right, first off, a huge thank you to Gene Ranconi and Ann and Mike Medici. Um, for you guys' Spoken Tour donations, we really appreciate that. You have supplied us with fresh food, refreshing beers, and places to stay, and it's just been an absolute treat. Thank you guys so much. And a big shout-out to Mari Cruz and her family in Sombrerete. Um, we showed up soaking wet with uh, rotten bearings in the front of my bike, and not only did Mari Cruz give us a tour of Sombrerete, bring us out to dinner... 
but she then sacrificed her entire following day to drive us around town, bring us to different bike mechanics, friends of friends who possibly may have parts or tools that we need. Um, but yeah, just absolutely amazing to have someone go out of their way to such an extent and help you try and fix a problem. So thank you very much, Mari Cruz. Really appreciate it. And thank you for agreeing to introduce this episode. If you guys were wondering who that lovely Spanish voice was, that was Mari Cruz. Unfortunately, uh, the bike mechanics in the small town of Sombrerete were not familiar enough with our rigs to fix Tommy's problem, so we took a bus to Zacatecas, and that is where we stayed at possibly the coolest spot of the entire trip. Maybe will be the coolest spot of the entire trip. That was uh, overlooking the Centro Historico in Zacatecas at the lovely home of Francisco, who we met on warm showers. Francisco, thank you so much for welcoming us into your home, cooking us breakfast, giving us recommendations on everything around town. Uh, it was a stay that we will never forget. And also in Zacatecas, thank you to the homies at the bike shop for dropping everything and helping me fix my front bearings, replacing them, um, and also letting me um, speak a little bit about someone I do not like very much and get some frustration out. So thank you very much, fellas. To uh, Gilberto in San Nicolas, Tiny little town. We didn't know where we were going to sleep when we pulled in. Uh, we went to the one store that was open, and the cashier just had this big smile on his face and was super helpful. And after getting our uh, resupplies of snacks and water, we we're standing outside saying, Hey, that guy, he had a good vibe. Why don't we ask him for a place to stay? Sure enough, the guy tells us about this mysterious place called the Casa de Gilberto. Uh, just go there and wait for him, and uh, he'll hook us up with a place to stay. Turns out, that guy was Hilberto, <laughs> and he led us into his home that he was building and that he had plans to move into once it was finished. We had a roof over our heads, and it was a great night. Thanks, Hilberto. Then a big thank you to Abimel, uh, the truck driver, who so graciously uh, yielded to my thumb on the side of the road en route to San Luis Potosí. Um, he was a really cool guy and, yeah, totally hooked it up. Let me toss my bike in the back of his car and we had uh, a fun, you know, Spanglish conversation for 45 minutes as we cruised into town. Um, Asterix, he, his truck was only permitted to get so close to downtown San Luis Potosí that he had to drop me off about, I don't know, six miles outside, outside of downtown and I then had to find another truck to go into for the last six miles. So what I did was there was the shopping center that had one of those like automatic pay gates where once you pay, the arm lifts up. So I kind of camped out right by that little arm that lifts up and just started asking everyone that went by that had that was required to stop if I could get a ride with them and so luckily some random dude thank you so much for letting me put my bike in your back of your truck as I rode in the bed uh through the town of San Luis Potosí so thank you so so much and after Tom uh, was shamelessly harassing all these people trying to do their shopping for the week we made it to Ivan's place in San Luis. Ivan, thank you so much for hosting us and for reaffirming what we're doing on this trip. It was uh, a really helpful conversation, more than you will probably ever know. Um, so we want to give a big thank you to you, Ivan. And big shout out to Victor in San Miguel de Allende. 
Uh, again, just kind of one of those total surprises where we have a dot on the map that we're going to, and it ends up being an absolutely astounding town. We ended up spending two days in San Miguel, and uh, Victor had an awesome, awesome apartment. From the moment we walked in, he had some incense burning, and he had just like very mellow music playing, and it was one of the best kind of arrivals that we've had after riding our bikes, um, because we immediately were just kind of breathing and relaxing and just enjoying where we were. So thank you very much, Victor. And uh, also, thanks for showing us around town and for all the recommendations. Then, after making it to the big city, we met up with a local travel agent. His name was Max, who had just finished uh, about a year-long backpacking trip through Central and South America. And it was so incredibly helpful just to have somebody sit us down in front of a map and say, this place is cool. This place is not. This place has, you know, this travel restriction. This place has an incredible uh, lodge that you can stay at for super cheap or you can work here and earn some money. Um, It was just a great way to visualize the coming months that are ahead of us. So thank you, Max. And a big shout out to Critty with Freewheel Bike in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Um, Critty helped uh, kind of scramble with us to get some parts ready to send that to be sent down to Mexico City. Um, we actually just found out the package arrived, so that's <laughs> that in itself is 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 a feat. But yeah, seriously, Critty, thank you for going above and beyond. Um, these parts are going to be put to great use, and if you live in the Twin Cities and you need to set up anything on your bike from a touring rig to riding through the Twin Cities in the middle of a snowy winter, hit up Freewheel Bike, ask for Critty, and he will hook it up. He'll help you out. Um, you're the man, Critty. Thank you very much. And finally, we would not be recording and publishing this episode without a roof over our heads here in the city of 20 million people. So a huge, huge thank you to our buddy Tyler Crizol from Denver, Go Nears, and his connections from his time in Barcelona. Uh, Thibault, Balam, Alexis, uh, the guys that we're staying with who are hosting us for over a week. Uh, Thank you guys so much. It it will be one of our our favorite stops along the way, without a doubt. Yeah, and uh, from here, um, we've been only hearing better things about southern Mexico. Uh, The kind of big destinations are Oaxaca and Chiapas. Um, we are t- we've been told the food and mezcal just keep getting better and better. So that's kind of next on the on the docket for us as well as we have our first international visitors coming. That's right. So big weekend uh, coming up next weekend should be a blast. Uh, we're gonna get weird. We're gonna eat some bugs and do some salsa dancing and I'm sure a whole mess of other fun goofy stuff. So. And it would sure help to have some Spoke Nations to have all of that take place. But we do just want to emphasize, uh, we're definitely aware that our audience is not nearly as big as some of the incredible fundraising efforts that are taking place in the States right now. But if you guys did kind of have it in the back of your minds that you wanted to contribute to our trip via the donation page on our website, maybe just give it another second, mull it over, and ask yourself, who needs this $50 more? two gringos on their bikes in spandex running around through Latin America or some of the thousands and thousands of people who have been displaced from their homes as a result of Hurricane Harvey. It's probably those people. Um, So maybe take a second, uh, visit the American Red Cross website 
or any one of the other uh, relief efforts um, that are going on and give them a helping hand. One, two, three, four. Pedaling on to the end of the world, making friends around every curve, telling stories, pedaling on. Pedaling on to the end of the world, making friends around every curve, telling stories, pedaling on. Mm -hmm.